The Detroit Red Wings are looking to make a jump, but can they get to the playoffs in the talented Atlantic Division? The Columbus Blue Jackets have added Johnny Goudreau, and how far can he take the team? And the New Jersey Devils have a lot of young talent and added some veterans like Andre Palat. Are they ready to become a playoff team this year? We've got all that and more on the Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast. Gil Martin, so glad to be with you, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Red Wings, Brian Fisher. And Brian, a very busy offseason in Detroit. Overall, if you could use one or two words to describe the offseason, what would it be? A plus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> why? Why A plus? Well, I, Steve Eiserman decided that uh, this was the offseason, given the market, that he was going to finally spend that cap space. And I, from the moment, it was at night, the night before free agency actually opened. Uh, the report started coming out from, I believe it was Bob McKenzie, saying that the Red Wings were going to go out there and try and sign Andrew Kopp, who was arguably one of the best centers slash wingers on the free agent market. And the Red Wings had a huge need for a winger, or uh, sorry, a second-line center. Like, they have no center depth. That was one of their biggest issues with that, along with the uh, defensive depth. And so he went out there, and not only did he sign Andrew Kopp, who, by the way, is an Ann Arbor native, but he signed him to a long-term deal. He signed him to a five-year contract immediately. And that is such a huge deal in terms of rebuild. Because when you're rebuilding, you don't sign guys to long-term contracts. And he went out there and he signed a very good second-line center or winger, if, if need be, to a long-term contract. And to me, that signaled that the rebuild in Steve Eisman's eyes was approaching its conclusion. Do I think that they're going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs this year? Well, that remains to be seen because the Atlantic Division is a powerhouse. But Steve Eiserman is taking a legitimate step forward towards competitiveness. He went out there and signed Ben Sherratt as well to a four-year deal, and I have a little bit more mixed feelings on Ben Sherratt. But it's still another – the four-year contract is another example of Steve Eiserman going, okay, we need to make this team better now. He's no longer trying to tank for number one overall pick, which is a little bit of a shame because Connor Bedard is going to be the number one overall pick uh, expected this season. But – the, the Detroit Red Wings, I mean, they were aggressive in the offseason. They traded for Vili Husso. Uh, they, they went a little bit off the board, I think, taking Casper as early as they did. But, I mean, last time Steve Eisenman did that, it worked out with a Calder Trophy winner. So I, I was really impressed with the offseason, as I always am, with the moves that Steve Eisenman does. It's just everything he does, every move he makes seems to make sense. Steve Eisenman, one of the more highly regarded GMs around the NHL. You mentioned Vili Husso, a big acquisition, a big change in goal for this Red Wings team. What does he mean to this team? And what do you expect from him this season? His first in a Red Wings uniform. I'm going to say it. I think that with him and Nedeljkovic, it's going to be one of the best one-two tandems in the NHL. I mean, Nedeljkovic did take a little bit of a step back uh, last season with production, obviously in Carolina. When they traded for Nedeljkovic from Carolina Hurricanes, the big argument was that the Carolina Hurricanes had him a little bit sheltered because that's a phenomenal team. And that proved to be a little true. He came to a Red Wings team that had probably the worst defense in the NHL outside of Moritz Sider. I mean, he Moritz Sider was playing with Danny DeKaiser and 
uh, Jordan Osterley on the top pair, which just at this point in their careers aren't top pair players at all. So they had no defense in front of him. He still managed to post a 901 save percentage, which doesn't sound great, but given what he had in front of him, you know, what could you expect out of a, out of a goaltender? You bring Vili Husso in and you hear a lot of the similar thing. He came from a good St. Louis blue system. People are saying he was sheltered, but this defensive core is going to be better in front of both these goaltenders this year. And because they're both young ish goaltenders, I mean, goalies, you know, tend to blossom later. I think Husso's 27 and Elkovich is 26. I mean, Husso had a great year this last year. He had a 919 save percentage with the St. Louis Blues in exactly 40 games played. So you put him and Adelkovich, you split the workload, which is going to be easier. So I think that they're going to push each other and they're going to perform well. And I think that's going to be a real good uh, 1A, 1B tandem. And I think that that's going to go a long way to making this team a lot more competitive this year. This past weekend, uh, the Red Wings had uh, were involved in a rookie tournament. Uh Anything that stood out in your mind as far as some of the prospects and rookies are concerned? Well, invitee uh, Riley Piercy scored four goals against the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, prospects team, and he was playing top-line minutes. And, you know, he looked good. He looked really strong. This is a guy who's just fighting for, you know, an AHL contract. He's just trying to get signed. He looked good. He was putting himself in the right spots. He won a net front battle against David Yerichek for a goal. So he definitely stood out in that game against Columbus. But, I mean, when you're talking about the big-name prospects, Sebastian Kosa played 30 minutes. He was picked to, uh, the goaltender taken 15th overall. is presumed to be the goaltender of the future for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, he looked great in the 30 minutes he played against Columbus. Didn't allow uh, He allowed one goal, rather. Jan Bednar, a fourth-round pick a couple years ago by the Red Wings, played 30 minutes in both those games, and he played really well. Um, Simon Edmondson admittedly looked like he was being a little bit casual on the ice, but I feel like for him... That was intentional. He's probably trying not to get himself hurt. And let's be honest, prospects tournament for a first round pick, a sixth overall pick probably doesn't mean a whole lot. Really where his test is going to come is training camp and uh, preseason because he's going to be trying to make an NHL roster. But Cross Hannes, Cross Hannes, the second round pick from 2020, looked phenomenal. He played with the Winter Hawks, I believe, of the WHL this last season and had, I believe, 80 points in 60-some games. He was absolutely phenomenal. He controlled the pace of play. I think he was the second best player out there on the ice next to Kent Johnson of Columbus Blue Jackets. He was phenomenal. He could, When the puck got on his stick, the entire game slowed down. He opened up the ice, and his vision was great. Two of Riley Piercy's goals came from just cross-ice uh, passes by Cross Hannes. He looks like he's going to be a phenomenal player. I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, during training camp and preseason. As far as the defense is concerned, you mentioned, you know, they're more fortified now than they were a year ago. Who do you anticipate being the top four on this defense this year? I think uh, your your top pairing is definitely going to be more at Cider and Ben Sherrod. I don't think you pay Ben Sherrod four years, I think 4.625, something like that, a season just to put him on the second pair. You don't give that guy that kind of money to put him on the second pair. He's going to be right there with uh, more at Cider. Whether or not I think he's capable of playing top pair of minutes remains to be seen, but he can be out there for 25 minutes a night. He's physically capable of doing it, and it's going to be a huge upgrade of whether of who Moritz Satter was playing with. And then second pairing, I think it's going to be Philip Peronik and I hope Simon Edvinson. I mean, Simon Edvinson was a Rookie of the Year finalist last year in the SHL. He's graduating to the North America either way, whether it be with Grand Rapids or um, the Detroit Red Wings. So if he goes out there and has an impressive training camp and uh, preseason, there's not a single player on the Red Wings roster outside of Morris Sider that I don't think he can't outcompete. I mean, Matt Pissick is Mark Pissick rather is out with an Achilles injury. I think he can outperform Robert Hay. He can outperform Osterley. He can outperform Lindstrom. He can outperform um, 
uh, Olimata. So I, I think that he could be there. But if it's not Simon Edmondson, I would probably garner a guess of Olimata would be the second pair defenseman. He's a very capable second pair defenseman, defensive defenseman who uh, would pair nicely with Phil Peronic, whose offensive style would complement each other. All makes sense. Sounds to me like there's a lot of optimism coming out of Detroit right now. Oh, yeah, man. Again, if it weren't for the fact, if they were playing in the Pacific Division, I'd be like, this team could be a, a division competitor, at least wildcard competitor. But this Atlantic Division is so tough, with the Ottawa Senators being so aggressive as well and getting to Brinkett and Claude Giroux. And then obviously you have the top three of Florida, Tampa Bay, and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, unfortunately. It's going to be a really competitive division. Boston Bruins, can't forget them. So it, no, it's going to be no. tough. They took a huge step forward, but this division took a step forward as well. So it, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they're going to be a hell of a lot more competitive than they were last year. And a hell of a lot more fun to watch, yes. I'm sure. Brian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Well, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Lockdown Red Wings. Just put that in the search bar. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Fisher, WWJ. The WWJ is the news station I work at, the radio news station. Uh, the Twitter account for the podcast is uh, at Lockdown, uh, LO underscore Red Wings. And then my co-host, Scotty, at Bentley Scotty. So check us out on Twitter. We're always tweeting Red Wings stuff. Or, uh, Scotty's also doing Tigers because he's hosting Lockdown Tigers as well. But Detroit sports, for sure. So uh, check us out on there if you want to hear our opinions on stuff. All right, Brian, thank you so much for doing this. Always a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's early season games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And of course, NHL preseason is just about a week away. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On New Jersey Devils, Trey Matthews. And Trey, a, a very interesting offseason for the New Jersey Devils. The young talent starting to mature. You add an experienced Stanley Cup winner like Andre Palat to the mix. What does Palat bring to the table at this point for a team that has so much young talent that's ready to mature and come together? Well, how did we get Andre Palat in the first place? Well, you know, obviously the New Jersey Devils going into the offseason, they were swinging for the fences. Uh, they were in the mix for Kevin Fiala, Alex DeBrinkett, Matthew Kachuk when he was available to trade, Johnny Goodrow during free agency, which I think you and uh, I can relate on that pain a little bit more because you are the yes. host of Locked On Islanders. Um, overall, you know, we did swing for the fences. Unfortunately, we didn't get any of those players, but it's always okay to get plan B versus plan X, Y, and Z. And so that's what Andre Palat was. He was just plan B. And what he brings to the table is that veteran leadership, which I think the New Jersey Devils have been missing ever since Taylor Hall left. Because, and not to discredit our captain, Nico Heischer, not to discredit any of our uh, assistant captains, but who's the leader on the New Jersey Devils? Like, who's the person who's like, look, guys, I've been in this situation before. Who's the person who, like, uh, pulls the, the boot strings and just be like, okay, look, we're going into battle. We're on a... God knows how many game losing streak. We need to get out of this now. Here's how you do it. You have someone like Andre Palat added to the mix, and you have a few other veteran pieces 
added to the mix as well. So overall, that's my mindset for Andre Pilat, which is he gives us more scoring depth because that's a big issue that the New Jersey Devils had last year because we relied too heavily on Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, and Nico Heischer on the scoring. Yegor Sharangovich and Dawson Mercer were inconsistent at parts. Yegor Sharangovich at the beginning of the year, Dawson Mercer towards the end of it. So it was just like, where do we get that extra scoring from? And Andre Pilat is going to provide that for the New Jersey Devils. And you know, it's not just him. You know, we, we were able to get Marino, who uh, made uh, a playoff appearance with the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. VTech uh, Banachek um, is obviously going to be our either our 1A or our 1B goalie. We're still trying to figure that out. And um, the New Jersey Devils just basically adding these veteran pieces. Eric Halla will be a big help on our bottom six. So the, the main mindset for Tom Fitzgerald for the New Jersey Devils was just like get more depth and also get more experience. You, you touched on Vitek Vanacek and the goaltending situation. How do you see this falling out? And, and can Mackenzie Blackwood bounce back and have a better year this year? I think Mackenzie Blackwood will bounce back for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, we kind of gave him like a Corey Schneider type of treatment, which was we relied too heavily on him. We didn't give him a backup, uh, a, a backup goalie to help him out. And he was prone to injuries. And, Unfortunately, I, I just said, like, we got to fix it right now. We tried with Corey Crawford. We tried with Jonathan Bernier. But now looks like we're going to have to rely on another young piece to try to be that suitable backup or maybe even be the starting goalie be, if worse comes to worse. So I think Mackenzie Blackwood will bounce back for the New Jersey Devils. I think, uh, you know, there, there were rumors saying that he wanted out of New Jersey. I think those rumors have pretty much have died out. So they were either not true or uh, like I just said, they, they just were able to make up and now they're going to put their focus on this season. And with Vitek Vancek, solid goalie, very young, obviously not really a good playoff goalie. But, you know, we're trying to we're, we're trying to um, walk before we run. So that, I think that's the the whole mindset for New Jersey Devils with Vitek Vancek. And uh, I think his numbers will get a little worse just because the Washington Capitals aren't in front of him uh, at the goalie position. It's now the New Jersey Devils, a much younger, inexperienced team. So I think um, Vitek Vancek will definitely be a big help for New Jersey Devils. I don't know uh, the the status on Jonathan Bernier. I don't anticipate him playing another NHL game. So uh, I think we're going to have to rely on maybe like Nico Dawes to be the third string goalie for the Utica from the Utica Comets organization, which is our AHL team. So. Yeah, that's where I stand with the goalie situation. I think Mackenzie Blackwood has recovered, according to uh, Ryan Novozinski, who covers the New Jersey Devils for NJ.com. And um, I, I anticipate for him to have a bounce back year. And for Vitek Vanacek, uh, just stay healthy. Don't worry about your playoff numbers. We're not at that point yet. And um, just be solid like you were with the Washington Capitals. Because I did a silly season episode during the course of the summer, and I said – what are some goalies that the New Jersey Devils could realistically pursue? I said they could pursue Holpe. They could pursue Kemper. That's a bit of a long shot. And then I said Vanacek. And I was like, Vanacek is a restricted free agent. It would have to come at the expense of a trade. But I think Vitek Vanacek would be the more realistic option and the option I'd be happy with because if we were to get someone like Holpe, I don't think that would help much. Kemper, long shot. Vitek Vanacek, realistic option. Very uh, prescient of you there, uh, figuring that out and the team following your advice. I love it. I love it. Talk to me a little bit about Jack Hughes, where he's at and what he's going to mean to this team this year. Okay. I got to call some people out. Um, uh, I, just yesterday I was talking to some senators fans and they were like, T 
Tim Stutzel and Jack Hughes are a wash, which I don't know if that's Canadian lingo for like on the same boat or tied. But I need people to know Jack Hughes was on pace to score 90 or so points. And he was hurt for more than a good chunk of the season. He got hurt at the beginning of the year and he got hurt at the end of the year. This isn't like a Cole Caulfield situation where a coaching change was able to help him out. This is a whole new situation in which he only appeared in like, what, 49 games? Yes. So if he appears in like 70 to, or in all 82 games, Jack Hughes is going to be the first player in New Jersey Devils history to eclipse 100 points. So I need people to realize that Jack Hughes is on a whole new uh, different level and they need to realize that he is a superstar in the making, but people don't realize it because he's hurt for a good chunk of the year. COVID certainly didn't help because he suited up in all 56 games during the, uh, what, the 2021 season. And then during his rookie year, obviously that's when the pandemic first hit. So Jack Hughes wasn't able to finish out the rest of the year. And uh, going back to Trevor Zegras as well, I said this and I don't regret saying this at all. Trevor Zegras wishes he was Jack Hughes. He wishes he was Jack Hughes. I know they're good friends. I know Cole Caulfield is also friends with them. But Jack Hughes, out of those three uh, players and also Tim Stutzel, I'll add that to the mix. I'm sorry, Locked On Ducks. I'm sorry, Locked On Sens. I'm sorry, Locked On Canadians. Jack Hughes is going to be the truth. And he's going to win the Hart Memorial Trophy at some point uh, during his career. I'd say I'm not crazy. I'd say in the next few years or so. And he's going to be the first Devils player to eclipse 100 points. I just had to go on that little bit of a tangent, and I had to call some people out. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry, right? (laughs) Absolutely. uh, 56 points in 49 games, 26 goals, 30 assists. The talent definitely there, and, and, and I agree with you. If he could stay healthy for a year, the sky is the limit for Jack Hughes. Uh, real quick, because we are running out of time, Devils had a prospects uh, uh, tournament this past weekend. Anyone stand out in your mind over that weekend tournament? Alexander Holtz, and it's another thing that I said. I said, if Alexander for Alexander Holtz, he needs to show out every chance he gets, whether it's this prospects challenge, whether it's preseason, training camp, whatever the case might be, because he's competing with a good number of people for the last few roster spots for New Jersey Devils, because the top six is pretty much a lock. You know, Heischer, Hughes, Sharon Govich, Mercer, Palat, uh, Brat. You know, all those guys are a lock to make the top six. Now it's a competition for the bottom six. Who's going to make the roster? Who's going to be waived? Who's going to be sent down to Utica? I said Alexander Holtz. He was drafted, what, seventh overall just a couple years ago in the 2020 NHL draft. People have lost out on on him a little bit. They were saying that maybe he should be involved in trade discussions when we're talking about uh, Matthew Kachuk or you know, or Kevin Fiala, whatever the case might be. And I was like, no, Alexander Holtz is going to be special. He's a sniper. You just got to give him a sizable role to succeed because that was the issue. That's why he didn't make the team last year is because we couldn't uh, give him that sizable role. And when he was given a cup of coffee in the NHL, of course, he's not really going to perform up to par. But if he was struggling in Utica, then I'd be concerned. But he lighted, he was lighting it up in Utica. He was one of their best scorers. And I, and he was training with Jesper Bratt during the course of the offseason. He looks stronger. He has the strength of a locomotive and the finesse of a ballerina. I, I'm stretching it a little bit. But, yeah, Alexander Holtz impressed me. And he took over in that game against Montreal Canadiens. He tied the game, and then he won the game in OT. So, you know, Alex, and for the three shots he missed early on in the game, you knew that he was out with a purpose. So, Alexander Holtz is the truth. 
All right, there you go, Trey Matthews. Trey, why don't you let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? You can find me on social media at TreyMatt4 and also the show story page at Locked On Devils. You can find the podcast show wherever you get your podcast streaming service. Also on YouTube, Road to 1,000 subscribers, more than halfway there. So help me out a little bit. All right, Trey, thanks so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On New Jersey Devils, Trey Matthews. And Trey, a, a very interesting offseason for the New Jersey Devils. The young talent starting to mature. You add an experienced Stanley Cup winner like Andre Palat to the mix. What does Palat bring to the table at this point for a team that has so much young talent that's ready to mature and come together? Well, how did we get Andre Palat in the first place? Well, you know, obviously the New Jersey Devils going into the offseason, they were swinging for the fences. Uh, they were in the mix for Kevin Fiala, Alex DeBrinkett, Matthew Kachuk when he was available to trade, Johnny Goodrow during free agency, which I think you and uh, I can relate on that pain a little bit more because you are the yes. host of Locked On Islanders. Um, overall, you know, we did swing for the fences. Unfortunately, we didn't get any of those players, but it's always okay to get plan B versus plan X, Y, and Z. And so that's what Andre Palat was. He was just plan B. And what he brings to the table is that veteran leadership, which I think the New Jersey Devils have been missing ever since Taylor Hall left. Because, and not to discredit our captain, Nico Heischer, not to discredit any of our uh, assistant captains, but who's the leader on the New Jersey Devils? Like, who's the person who's like, look, guys, I've been in this situation before. Who's the person who, like, uh, pulls the, the bootstrings and just be like, okay, look, we're going into battle. We're on a... God knows how many game losing streak. We need to get out of this now. Here's how you do it. You have someone like Andre Palat added to the mix, and you have a few other veteran pieces added to the mix as well. So overall, that's my mindset for Andre Palat, which is he gives us more scoring depth because that's a big issue that the New Jersey Devils had last year because we relied too heavily on Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, and Nico Heischer on the scoring. Yegor Sharangovich and Dawson Mercer were inconsistent at parts. Yegor Sharangovich at the beginning of the year. Dawson Mercer towards the end of it. So it was just like, where do we get that extra scoring from? And Andre Palat is going to provide that for the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, it's not just him. You know, we, we were able to get Marino, who uh, made a playoff appearance with the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. Uh, Vitek Banachek um, is obviously going to be our either our 1A or our 1B goalie. We're still trying to figure that out. And um, the New Jersey Devils just basically adding these veteran pieces. Eric Halla will be a big help on our bottom six. So, the, the main mindset for Tom Fitzgerald for New Jersey Devils was just like get more depth and also get more experience. You, you touched on Vitek Vanacek and the goaltending situation. How do you see this falling out? And, and can Mackenzie Blackwood bounce back and have a better year this year? I think Mackenzie Blackwood will bounce back for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, we kind of gave him like a Coy Schneider type of treatment, which was we relied too heavily on him. We didn't give him a backup uh, uh a backup goalie to help him out and he was prone to injuries and unfortunately I, I just said like we got to fix it right now we tried with Corey Crawford we tried with Jonathan Bernier but now looks like we're gonna have to rely on another young piece to try to be that suitable backup or maybe even be the starting goalie if worse comes to worse so I think Mackenzie Blackwood will bounce back for the New Jersey Devils, I think, uh, you know, there, there were rumors saying that he wanted out of New Jersey. I think those rumors have pretty much have died out. So they were either not true or, uh, like I just said, they, they just were able to make up and now they're going to 
put their focus on this season. And with Vitek Vanacek, solid goalie, very young, obviously not really a good playoff goalie, but you know we're trying to we're we're trying to um, walk before we run. So that, I think that's the the whole mindset for New Jersey Devils with Vitek Vanacek and. Uh, I think his numbers will get a little worse just because the Washington Capitals aren't in front of him uh, at the goalie position. It's now the New Jersey Devils, a much younger, inexperienced team. So I think um, Vitek Vancheck will definitely be a big help for New Jersey Devils. I don't know uh, the the status on Jonathan Bernier. I don't anticipate him playing another NHL game. So uh, I think we're going to have to rely on maybe like Nico Dawes to be the third string goalie for the Utica from the Utica Comets organization, which is our AHL team. So. Yeah, that's where I stand with the goalie situation. I think Mackenzie Blackwood has recovered, according to uh, Ryan Novozinski, who covers the New Jersey Devils for NJ.com. And um, I, I anticipate for him to have a bounce back year. And for Vitek Vanacek, uh, just stay healthy. Don't worry about your playoff numbers. We're not at that point yet. And um, just be solid like you were with the Washington Capitals. Because I did a silly season episode during the course of the summer, and I said – what are some goalies that the New Jersey Devils could realistically pursue? I said they could pursue Holpe, they could pursue Kemper. That's a bit of a long shot. And then I said Vanacek. And I was like, Vanacek is a restricted free agent. It would have to come at the expense of a trade. But I think Vitek Vanacek would be the more realistic option and the option I'd be happy with because if we were to get someone like Holpe, I don't think that would help much. Kemper, long shot. Vitek Vanacek, realistic option. Very uh, prescient of you there, uh, figuring that out and the team following your advice. I love it. I love it. Talk to me a little bit about Jack Hughes, where he's at and what he's going to mean to this team this year. Okay. I got to call some people out. Um, uh, Just yesterday I was talking to some senators fans and they were like, Tim Stutzel and Jack Hughes are a wash, which I don't know if that's Canadian lingo for like on the same boat or tied, but I need people to know. Jack Hughes was on pace to score 90 or so points and he was hurt for more than a good chunk of the season. He got hurt at the beginning of the year and he got hurt at the end of the year. This isn't like a Cole Caulfield situation where a coaching change was able to help him out. This is a whole new situation in which he only appeared in like what 49 games. Yes. So if he appears in like 70 or in all 82 games, Jack Hughes is going to be the first player in New Jersey devil's history to eclipse a hundred points. So I need people to realize that Jack Hughes is on a whole new uh, different level and they need to realize that he is a superstar in the making, but people don't realize it because he's hurt for a good chunk of the year. COVID certainly didn't help because he suited up in all 56 games during the, uh, what, the 2021 season. And then during his rookie year, obviously that's when the pandemic first hit. So Jack Hughes wasn't able to finish out the rest of the year. And uh, going back to Trevor Zegras as well, I said this, and I don't regret saying this at all. Trevor Zegras wishes he was Jack Hughes. He wishes he was Jack Hughes. I know they're good friends. I know Cole Caulfield is also friends with them. But Jack Hughes, out of those three uh, players, and also Tim Stutzel, I'll add that to the mix. I'm sorry, Locked On Ducks. I'm sorry, Locked On Sens. I'm sorry, Locked On Canadians. Jack Hughes is going to be the truth. And he's going to win the Hart Memorial Trophy at some point uh, during his career. I'd say I'm not crazy. I'd say in the next few years or so. And he's going to be the first Devils player to eclipse 100 points. I just had to go on that little bit of a tangent and I had to call some people out. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry, right? (laughs) Absolutely. uh, 56 points in 49 games, 26 goals, 30 assists. 
the talent definitely there. And, and, and I agree with you. If he could stay healthy for a year, the sky is the limit for Jack Hughes. Uh, real quick, because we are running out of time. Devils had a prospects uh, uh, tournament this past weekend. Anyone stand out in your mind over that weekend tournament? Alexander Holtz. And it's another thing that I said. I said, if Alexander for Alexander Holtz, he needs to show out every chance he gets, whether it's this prospects challenge, whether it's preseason, training camp, whatever the case might be, because he's competing with a good number of people for the last few roster spots for New Jersey Devils, because the top six is pretty much a lock. You know, Heischer, Hughes, Sharon Govich, Mercer, Palat, uh, Brat, you know, all those guys are a lock to make the top six. Now it's a competition for the bottom six. Who's going to make the roster? Who's going to be waived? Who's going to be sent down to Utica? I said Alexander Holtz. He was drafted, what, seventh overall just a couple years ago in the 2020 NHL draft. People have lost out on, on him a little bit. They were saying that maybe he should be involved in trade discussions when we're talking about uh, Matthew Kachuk or you know, or Kevin Fiala, whatever the case might be. And I was like, no, Alexander Holtz is going to be special. He's a sniper. You just got to give him a sizable role to succeed because that was the issue. That's why he didn't make the team last year is because we couldn't uh, give him that sizable role. And when he was given a cup of coffee in the NHL, of course, he's not really going to perform up to par. But if he was struggling in Utica, then I'd be concerned. But he lighted, he was lighting it up in Utica. He was one of their best scorers. And I, and he was training with Jesper Bratt during the course of the offseason. He looks stronger. He has the strength of a locomotive and the finesse of a ballerina. I, I'm stretching it a little bit. But, yeah, Alexander Holtz impressed me. And he took over in that game against Montreal Canadiens. He tied the game. And then he won the game in OT. So, you know, Alex. And for the three shots he missed early on in the game, you knew that he was out with a purpose. So, Alexander Holtz is the truth. All right, there you go, Trey Matthews. Trey, why don't you let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? You can find me on social media at TreyMatt4 and also the show story page at Locked On Devils. You can find the podcast show wherever you get your podcast streaming service. Also on YouTube, Road to 1,000 subscribers, more than halfway there. So help me out a little bit. All right, Trey, thanks so much for joining us today. All right, I want to thank my guests, Brian Fisher from Locked On Red Wings, Jay Foster from Locked On Blue Jackets, and Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils. That is going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I am Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday, and I co-host the Friday edition of Locked On NHL with Rachel Donner. Don't forget to check out our shows every weekday, Monday through Friday, for all the latest and biggest stories from around the league. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.